Good morning. It's my first time to address you as pastor of this church. My wife and I would like to thank you, first of all, for your support. Thank you for your prayers. I know that in a time where there's that interim, it's always a little awkward, and it's always a difficult time, but I want to thank Pastor Mike and everybody who really stepped up during that time to just really help keep things going and make things work. I believe that where God has us going as a church is going to be a great thing. Amen? Last time that I talked to you, one of the things that I let you know is that you, I used the words you, and I said you guys have a beautiful area that you live in, but now I can say we have a beautiful area that we live in. Amen? Amen? And it's, and it's true, and you're welcome for the warmer weather. You're welcome. We brought that from Arkansas with us. You're welcome. So, no... Uh, I know that snow is coming and we're actually looking forward to it. Actually, the kids were really excited about the snow and we actually had some snow toys bought and different things like that. When they got off the plane, the first thing they wanted to know was, where's the snow? Where's the snow? (laughs) Sorry, guys. I apologize. There's no snow, but it's coming. Amen? (laughs) Well, we're going to go ahead and jump right into this this morning. If you've brought your Bibles, go ahead and turn over to Joshua chapter 1. We're going to start a new series this morning called Embracing Change. How many of you guys made New Year's resolutions? How many of you kept your New Year's resolutions? You guys are some shy hand raisers. I know that New Year's resolutions sometimes are difficult to keep and uh, a lot of times we want to make, you know, resolutions to be better parents. We want to make resolutions uh, about, you know, being more faithful to church, being more faithful to God, prayer time, Bible reading. We want to make New Year's resolutions about weight loss or, or maybe weight gain. We want to bulk up. I, you know, that crowd right there, I really don't have a whole lot to say to that crowd that's trying to gain weight. But, <laughs> you know, a lot of us, we're trying, to, we're trying to lose weight, trying to look better, trying to eat healthier, make better decisions, all of those types of things. And so this is a season of change, and it's a season of change for us as a church. And I want us to kind of walk through this together because it's a season of change for my family, for my wife, uh, for my kids, for me. It's a season of change for you. And I think that the best way to move forward with that is going to be to embrace that change, okay? So Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to a land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I have said to Moses. Excuse me. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do all that's according written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
Now, the first point here in your notes, write this down. Embracing change is the key to moving forward. Embracing change is the key to moving forward because we want to move forward. We don't want to be stuck. The, th the things that we had last year, the things that we did last year, we want to improve. We want to do better. We want to grow. We want to move forward. We want to be better parents. We want to be better employees. We want to be better employers. We want to be uh, uh, better kids. We want to just do better. We want our church to move forward. That's our desire. We don't want to be stuck, and we definitely don't want to go backwards, right? Nobody's saying, hey, I can't wait to go backwards this year. I can't wait to make some mistakes and mess everything up and, and have years to have to come back and fix everything. No, no, no. We want to do well. We want to move forward. We want to improve. And we've got to embrace change if we want to move forward. Change is that ugly word that a lot of us just don't like. We don't like that word change sometimes because it's difficult for us to swallow that pill sometimes. Change means that it's going to require something of me. Change means that it's going to require me to do something different. We're creatures of habit. We're creatures of pattern. And if you mess up my pattern, if you mess up my routine, if you mess up what I like, if it hurts, if it's no fun, if it doesn't taste good, I don't want it, right? But how many of you know that to move forward, sometimes we've got to embrace those things? We've got to embrace change. And, and not to say that every change is going to be difficult and hard and no fun. Sometimes they're a lot of fun. But sometimes it is difficult. But whether it's fun or whether it's no fun at all, we've got to recognize that if we want to move forward, we have to embrace change. Now, here in the book of Joshua, we're talking about the children of Israel. And if you don't know who the children of Israel were, they are God's chosen people. And a guy named Moses led the children of Israel through great victories, and he initially helped to bring them out of a 400-year slavery to the Egyptians. Now, the Israelites were not only supposed to be free from slavery, because sometimes we want to stop there and go, oh, praise God, that's great. They're free from 400 years of slavery. That's wonderful. That still wasn't the end of the road for them. That still wasn't all God had in mind for them. God still had something better in store for them, and what the better thing God had in store for them was that he had promised them a land. He had said, not only am I going to make you free, not only are you going to get to be liberated from all of these generations of generations of slavery, but I've got a promised land, and this land's great. It's flowing with milk and honey, and what that means, it doesn't literally mean that there's milk and honey flowing down the hills. It means that it's a prosperous land. It's going to be a good place to live. It's going to be, a, 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 it's going to be an optimal place for you, and I've picked it out just for you, and I've reserved it just for you. And this is where I want you to go. So I want you to be free, but there's more. Somebody say there's more. You see, sometimes whenever we come to Christ, whenever we accept him as our Lord and Savior and he makes all things new, sometimes we think that's it and we just kind of live our lives the way we want to and we throw our hands up in the air and we say, okay, God, uh, now, that, now that I'm saved, I'm just going to live my life how I want to. No, he's telling you, that's just you becoming free initially. There's more, okay? Look at somebody and say it again. There's more. There's more, and you've got to understand that, and you've got to believe that. And for you to obtain that more, you're going to have to embrace the change that it's going to take to help move you forward. Amen? You see, the promised land is now what is known as modern-day Israel. If you didn't know that, now that promised land is modern-day Israel, and there's people fighting over that land even to this day. Okay, that's modern-day Israel. But at the time of Moses and Joshua, it wasn't known as Israel it was inhabited by a bunch of violent and wicked nations. 
a bunch of evil guys. So that doesn't sound very promising, does it? It doesn't sound very fun. Okay, God, you said this is a promised land. It's flowing with milk and honey. Right now it's flowing with bad guys. It's flowing with all these nations that they hate each other. They don't even get along, and they hate you. And everybody's wanting to kick you out of the land. But yet, this is the promised land? Wait a minute, this, this, this doesn't look right. Now, to make matters worse, not only are they going into a land, the promised land, thanks a lot, God, this didn't look like what I thought it would, not only are they walking into a mess, but now Moses is dead. Moses has died. The guy that led them out of Egypt, their hero. The guy that they had seen God use to part the Red Sea and they walked across on dry land. The guy who walked down from Mount Sinai holding the Ten Commandments. The guy whom they saw strike with a, a stone with his rod and, and it flowed out with water because these guys were thirsty. This guy that they saw as their leader, this guy that they looked to, he's, he's gone. He's dead. And now we're facing the promised land, and there's a bunch of bad guys in the promised land, a bunch of battles we're going to have to fight. Now, God in his sensitivity, God in his warmth, speaks to Joshua in Joshua 1 and 1 and says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, does that sound like God is being mean to Joshua? Do you think God's being mean to him? Do you think God's just being really frank and abrupt and just saying, Moses is dead, get over it? No, God's not being cold-hearted. That's what it sounds like, but he's not. Do you think that Joshua was unaware that Moses was dead? No, these guys have been mourning for Moses for months. These guys have been weeping and mourning. They've been in a state of mourning, and here's what happened. They were in this state of weeping and mourning. And then they were looking at all the obstacles and all the things that they were going to have to face. And they were going, this is too much. This is overwhelming. So they were getting stuck. And so God called forth a new leader, and he raised that leader up to help move them forward. Now, God was saying to the children of Israel, and he said it to Joshua, listen, my promise for you, my plan for you, is more important than any one man. That's what God was saying. That's why he said, Moses is dead. Now be of, be, be of good courage. Be strong and courageous because here's what you're going to do and here's how you're going to do it. You need to get into the word. You need to meditate on the book of the law day and night. Don't let it depart from you because you're going to have to be strong and courageous to go where I want you to go because where I want you to go and the plan that I have for you is not contingent upon one person. It's my will. It's my desire for you. And Moses is dead. And I know you're going to miss him. And I, but, but the mourning period has caused you to get stuck. He wasn't stating the obvious, and he wasn't being cold-hearted. He was saying this, it wasn't about Moses. He's saying, and Joshua, guess what? It's not about you. He's saying it's about God's dreams, God's desires, God's plans to move forward. So, listen. God's agenda is always, somebody say always. God's agenda is always more important and better than whatever circumstances you may find yourself in. I said God's agenda is always more important, and somebody say better than whatever. Say better than whatever circumstances you may find yourself in. And you can say all the rest of that if you want to or not. I don't know. Some of you guys are still following me. That's fine. 
It's better than whatever. Look at your neighbor and say, better than whatever. It's better than whatever you could think of. You see, whenever we look at our lives and we judge what we think is better, sometimes God's got a different idea of what better is. Sometimes our idea of what the best is and what God's idea of what the best is are two completely different things. Sometimes we're pursuing the wrong things because we think they're best. You know why we think they're best? Because everybody else tells us they are. Everybody tells us that it's best to have the the biggest houses and the nicest cars and full bank accounts. And those things are wonderful and there's nothing wrong with those. But if we make our life's pursuit about having stuff and that the goal of life is he who with the most toys in the end wins, then we're missing the point. We're not really grabbing a hold of God's best. Because you see, God had a promised land. God had something that he wanted to do for the Israelites. Somewhere he was wanting to take them. And it was different from their idea. And it was bigger than Moses. And it was bigger than Joshua. But it was better than anything they found themselves in. Whether it was a difficult circumstance or a good circumstance. And you've got to understand that this morning. That whether where you're at in life right now is good or whether you're facing a lot of struggles and a lot of uh, mountains are in your way. It doesn't matter if you're sitting on top of the mountain going, man, this is great up here, or if you're down in a valley. It doesn't matter what circumstance you're in, what God has in store for you is better than where you're at. How many of you know that the best that you've ever experienced or ever encountered, God still has better in store for you than that? Sometimes we achieve these pinnacles in life and we think that, oh, I arrived 10 years ago whenever I was this, this, and this, and oh, if I can only go back and be this, this, and this, and this. And God's saying, no, 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 where I want to take you is going to be so much better than you ever, ever dreamed. I never thought that Wisconsin would have been better for the Armstrong family. (laughs) But you know what? It is. It is, and I never thought that it would have been. I never thought that it would have been. I, I, I could have never orchestrated that. I never could have just, you know, picked on the map. You know, I, I, trying to be led by the Spirit. Maybe there's a map on the wall. God, just let my finger land where your Spirit wants it to. I, that's goofy stuff. I could have never picked out God's best. And you can't pick out God's best. God's best is what He declares it is. And we've got to understand that. And we've got to find out what that is and chase after that because His agenda is always more important than my agenda. What he says is best is always better than what I think is best. And that, you know what that really means? It just means we've got to trust him. That if he says it's better and it's best that it is. Amen? Amen. You see, it's always more important and better than whatever circumstance you may be in. But here's what we do. Sometimes we get stuck. We get stuck in what was. Nobody knows what I'm talking about in here, though. Nobody ever does that. Nobody ever gets stuck in what was in Sheboygan Falls, Wisconsin. Nobody ever gets stuck in what was. No, no, no. We get stuck in what was because we thought it was so great. We thought that it was so great, and so we try to recreate something that we deemed a success in our lives way back when. Or something maybe we even saw that was successful in our church. And we think, well, to, to be successful in church, we have to do things a certain way. we got to do them this way. So let's, because we saw success then. But you see, if we're going to move forward, we've got to embrace change. We've got to embrace what God says is best, not what we think is best, right? Sometimes we get stuck in what was. And here's the other thing that we do. Sometimes we get so overwhelmed that we get stuck and we just check out. 
Sometimes we get overwhelmed and we get stuck and we just go, you know what, I'm not dealing with this. And we go get the gallon of Rocky Road, we go get a tub of uh, popcorn and we sit in front of the TV, I am checking out, I am done. Or, or you know, we make, uh, the, this is the decision we make. We say, I'm just not going to make any decisions right now. I'm just not going to do anything right now. And we get stuck because whenever you decide not to make a decision, you're still making a decision, right? You're still making a decision not to do anything. You're making a decision to be stuck. One time whenever I was a youth pastor in Arkansas, I had a car, Ford Probe, 91 Ford Probe. Anybody ever have a Ford Probe? Do I have any Probe drivers out there? Wow, one, one guy. Oh, two, two people. Ford Probe was a great car. It had the little seat belts that would come over, you know. You'd be getting in your car, just, you know, smack your face. And <laughs> I was always wearing my seatbelt all the time, right? But the Ford Probe was a great car, but it was small and it was low to the ground. Well, we were having a video scavenger hunt, and uh, it was boys against the girls. And I had boys in my car. My wife had girls in her car. That's the way we do things. And uh, <coughs> I was driving. Uh, the boys back, we just knew we had the thing won. We had already gotten all of our clues all over town, videotaped. You know, this was, you know, back before everybody had these tiny little camcorders. We had this big, humongous, giant camcorder. It looked like we were carrying a news team around, you know. And we had all of our footage, and we just knew we were going to beat the girls. And so whenever we got back, we had a youth building that was an old house, and it was called the Youth House. And the ground around the Youth House was really soft because it had been raining for like a month. Well, I said, let's make the girls think they want, so let's go park the Ford Pro behind the Youth House. That's a great idea, Mr. Youth Pastor. <laughs> so I go back there, and one of the guys in there, and he, he's never let me live this down to this day, he said, you're going to get stuck if you go back there. And I said, oh, don't worry. My Ford Probe has low gear. Don't worry. We'll be fine. <laughs> so I go behind the youth house, and I put that baby in low gear. And he said, I think that we're sinking. I said, no, I got low gear. We're fine. We're fine. And then we hear the girls pull up. And we're like, all right, let's go tell them. Let's go, you know, psych them out. Ha, we won. And I put that thing in low gear. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, I notice that my car feels like it's not sitting above the ground anymore. I feel like we have now hit the ground. I get out. I have high-centered my car in mud. I got stuck. And I was spinning my wheels, spinning my wheels. And sometimes, folks, we'll spin our wheels and we'll try our hardest. And we think we've got it handled. We think we've got low gear. And we think that's good enough to do the job. But guess what? You're not, you're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. And we choose to check out sometimes. We just say, you know what? I'm not dealing with this. And we get stuck. We get stuck in that place where we're just, we're not going to change. We're not going to do anything productive in our lives. We're not going to submit to God's word and his will. We don't believe that God really has anything in store for us. Great. We believe that we're masters of our own destiny and that we're just going to make life what it is. And we think we want to be in control. But God's trying to tell us, listen, I want to get you out of the hole. I want to get you out of the hole. Yeah, I know some of you are wondering about the end of the story. I did get out of the hole. It took two trucks to pull me out of the hole. And then it took a meeting in the pastor's office the next morning where my pastor instructed me on how to use a shovel. And he put the shovel in my hand and he, you know, released me to go use the shovel for the Lord's work. And I went over there to where I had dug the holes and I did the Lord's work by filling in the holes. 
Sometimes we get stuck and it takes others to help us get out of, of, of being stuck. Sometimes it takes us waking up to the truth. But here's the thing. The reason we get stuck is because change always brings conflict. Every time. Every time. Change always brings conflict. You don't believe me? How many of you tried to start a diet at one one twelve this year? Immediately when you made that decision to start a diet, you got hungry, right? <laughs> I'm going to make the decision to diet. I'm hungry. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why. I wasn't hungry. I just ate before, but now all of a sudden I'm hungry. Or you try to eat a salad, and you're like, I'm going to do better. I'm going to eat a salad. I'm drinking nothing but water, and I'm going to do P90X, and I'm going to, you know, go to you know, curves or wherever, you know, or uh, anytime fitness, wherever we all go. And we're going to work out. And then the first time, about that first 10 minutes on the treadmill, and you're like, forget this. I smell McDonald's in the air. And we blow it. We blow it because what does change immediately do? It immediately brings conflict. It immediately brings it. How many of you have ever tried to commit to anything? Maybe, and, and, and it doesn't it seem like whenever you try to make those good commitments and you try to move forward and you try to do good things that uh, all, all of a sudden people come from out of the woodwork telling you why you shouldn't or putting you down or trying to discourage you from doing something that you know you need to do. Change always brings conflict, but here's the thing. I want you to imagine that these three steps would have words on them. And this first step would be change. This is where I make the decision to change. And whenever I make the decision to change, then guess what immediately happens? Conflict. But here's the deal. If I can withstand the conflict and continue to move forward and embrace the change, I'm going to take a next step. And you know what that step is? It's growth. I'm going to move forward. But there's always change, conflict, and then there's growth. Always. You're always going to see that cycle repeated over. Oh, wouldn't it be just wonderful if we could all just stay on this wonderful place of growth all the time? But you can't grow unless you change. How many of you know that your bodies are always changing? <laughs> you guys laugh when I said that. I was actually being really serious. <laughs> we ch- we, we, our, our bodies are always changing. Our hair is getting thin. Well, we're not going to go through the list. We, you guys know our bodies change, right? Our bodies change. Why? Because they're growing. We're growing. If you're not changing, you're dead, (laughs) right? I mean, because it's just a natural law. It's a natural process for us to embrace change. And that change is beyond our control. We don't make any decision whether or not we're going to get older. We can make a decision the quality of life we have, but we can't make a decision the fact that we're going to get older. It's going to happen. Certain things are going to happen, so change is inevitable. But if you embrace it, if you embrace it, if you embrace it, then you're going to have the better that God wants for you. You're going to embrace the changes He wants in your life. You're going to embrace the things that He says are important for you to move forward. Now, people always give up during the conflict stage because they always lose sight of the end result. They lose sight of it. They can't see it anymore, so they give up. You see, when you lose your vision for what God said is really important, you get discouraged, you get angry, you get depressed, and you throw your hands up and you go, you know what, this isn't worth it. This isn't worth it. If you made the decision to, I'm going to really just start living for God, I'm going to really just, you know, just go 110% and give everything to God, I'm going to wake up, you know, 15 minutes earlier and spend some time praying with the Lord, or I'm going to spend some time in His Word, 
or I'm going to come to church more, or I'm going to find a place in the church that I need to serve, or I'm going to really just get on board with what pastor's trying to do and what he feels like the direction is for God, uh, for our church from God. All these different things that you just make these, I'm just really going to jump on board. I'm really going to be a better employee. I, I'm going to make some steps to be a better mom or a better dad because I want my kids to grow up and, and love God and, and love church and love his people. And I want to see these things in my life. I want to see my finances change. Amen, anybody? We all want to see our finances change for the better, but you've got to embrace change, and that's going to bring the conflict. But whenever you lose sight of that end result, that's when you get discouraged. That's when you get mad at God because you ate those, uh, you, you drank your Slim Fast Shake and you ate your Atkins uh, bar or did whatever you did, and you didn't lose 20 pounds the next morning, and you get really upset because it didn't happen how you wanted it to happen it didn't happen when it wanted when you wanted it to happen you show up early for work one day and your boss doesn't give you a raise or a promotion and you get mad well that was a waste of time you decide to actually perform at a higher degree higher uh, degree of excellence at your job and all of a sudden everybody's not patting you on the back and telling you how great you are you get upset and you quit doing it you see it's got to be us making decisions to embrace change based on what God said, not on the reactions of others, not even on what changes around us. Because we've got to embrace change no matter what the situation or circumstance looks like. Amen, somebody. You've got to keep doing the right things to get the right results. This is pretty simple stuff, right? And that's the key to moving forward is embracing the right things, what God said is right, what God said is important. And then guess what? You get God's results. If you want to get your results, keep doing whatever you want to do. If you want God's results in your life, embrace change and embrace what he wants you to do. Amen? Amen. You see, to embrace change and to make it through the conflict victorious... You have to remind yourself of this, and this is your third point. You've got to remind yourself of this. What did God say? That's the question you've got to ask yourself. So to embrace change and make it through conflict victorious, because just because you're enduring conflict does not mean that you're going to be victorious. Some people think, oh, my ship's coming in and things are just terrible. No, no, no. If you don't embrace change, you're just going to hang out in conflict land. You're going to hang out where all the conflict is because you're making bad choices, you're making bad decisions, or you're not adjusting your life according to the way God wants you to. And you're going, why is all this happening to me? And you get this why me mentality. Why me? Why me? Why me? And you feel like everybody and everything is against you. But to make it through conflict victorious, you've got to ask yourself. And you've got to remind yourself. What did God say? You see, whenever God was dealing with Joshua, he kept telling him, listen, Moses, my servant, is dead, but here's what you need to do. You need to be strong and courageous. You need to meditate on the book of the law. You need to meditate on my word and the things that I told you because it's going to be vital for you because you're going to have to make some decisions as a leader. You're going to have to help lead these people and move forward into the promised land, into the better that I have for you. But for them to embrace that and for you to get it, you've got to be a person that understands what I want. You've got to be a person that understands my heart. And he said, for you to understand my heart, you've got to be strong, you've got to be courageous, and you've got to get into my word. You've got to understand what's really important, what I say 
is important because it's going to guard your heart. So Joshua could always go back whenever he would get discouraged to what did God say? God said, Joshua, be strong. Get in the Bible. Get in the Word. Meditate on it. That's what he's telling you. That's what he's telling us today. Whenever you get discouraged, whenever you want to throw your hands up in the air, whenever you want to give up, we've got to go back and say, what did God say? Whenever all of our efforts look like they're going nowhere and it looks like we're just stuck and it looks like things around us aren't changing, we've got to remind ourselves, what, what did God say? Because in the end, that's all that's really going to matter is how you responded to what God said. Oh, let me preach it to you. I said... Whenever it's all said and done, all that's going to matter is how you responded and how I responded to what did God say. You know, whenever we stand before God, we're not going to be able to go, but she did and he did and they didn't let me and my parents did this and didn't allow this and all these different things that we're going to try to choose. God's going to say, no, how did you respond to what I said? That's all that's going to matter in the end. So guess what? If that's all that matters in the end, that's all that matters now. Is how am I responding to what did God say? Am I responding to what God said? So let's check this out. In Mark 11, we're going to look at Mark 11, 23. Mark 11 and verse 23 says, For assuredly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. He said, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. So here's the thing that you've got to keep in mind. Here's the thing that you need to stay focused on, is what is on the other side of the mountain? What is on the other side of the obstacle that you're facing? What is on the other side of the circumstance that is just so mountainous and so intimidating? What is on the other side of that? And you've got to see that, and you've got to speak to that problem. You have to see your marriage healed. You need to see your finances turned around. You need to see your children returning to the Lord. You need to see yourself out of debt. You need to see our church being everything that God has intended for it to be. You've got to see that. But here's the thing. Whenever you see it, then you've got to embrace the change that it's going to take to get you there. Hello, somebody. That's good preaching right there. I don't care who you are. I said, when you see it, when you see it, somebody say, when you see it, you've got to embrace the change it's going to take to get you there. When you see it, you've got to embrace the change that it's going to take to get you there. Because some people think, oh, if I could just see it, oh, I see it. I see myself being out of debt. I see myself having a happy marriage and my wife and I just smooching all the time. I see my children running up to me and saying, mommy, daddy, can I clean the house for you? I don't need any allowance. I don't need any money. I just want to do something for you because I love you. We want, we, I see it. I see this church house packed full of people. I see people just serving God and weeping and worshiping him with passion. I see it, but seeing it's not enough. You've got to first see it, and then you've got to be willing to embrace the change that it's going to take to get you there. You've got to embrace the change it's going to take to get you there, because seeing it's not enough. 
All we're doing is just dreaming if we don't embrace the change it's going to take to get us there. We've got to embrace it, folks, if we plan on moving forward with God. So I believe that what Word of Grace has experienced, and I believe that what you personally have experienced is still not God's best. I believe that the best is yet to come, amen? I believe that the best is yet to come, but it's going to require us to embrace change. And that means as a church, we're going to have to embrace change together. That means we're going to have to link arms and link hearts. And we're going to have to go through maybe some conflict and some tough times together. But I'll tell you what, if we embrace change and then we'll go through whatever conflict the enemy may try to send our way, we're going to grow. We're going to move forward. We're going to be the church he's called us to be. See lives change. See lives impacted. See people free from alcohol and drug addictions that are just ruining families. Seeing people free from all sorts of pornography addiction. Seeing marriages healed. Seeing children come back home that were raised in church and that need the Lord in their life. See Seeing families restored, seeing relationships healed, seeing people saved and delivered from an eternal hell, seeing people saved and their lives being renewed, transformed, seeing people walk in the blessing and the victory that God offers and wants each one of us to have as believers here in this earth, not in the sweet by and by when we're all in heaven. Right now, he wants the best for you. Amen? Amen? And you've got to believe that and you've got to see it and then you've got to be willing to embrace the change it's going to take to get there. Amen, somebody? Amen. God's dreams and intentions for us as a church and for us individually are very much alive. They're very much alive. But God was telling Joshua, listen, Moses, my servant is dead, but my dream is still alive. My intention is still alive. My dream and my intention didn't die with Moses. And let me tell you, church, God's dream for us is very much alive. God's dream for you as an individual is very much alive. Matthew 6 and 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he says, All these other things are going to be added unto you. He said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things are going to be added to you. So here's the bottom line. Bottom line is, what did God say was important? He said, First things first, his kingdom. First things, his, th- first things first, his agenda. That's what his kingdom is really all about. It's his will. It's his agenda. God's saying, put my agenda above your own, above the fact that maybe you want to make a name for yourself, above the fact that maybe you want to be top dog in your organization, above the fact that maybe you want to have a lot of money in the bank, above the fact that you want to be successful or be a star, above the fact that you want to run your own business and it's just, well, you're, you're going to be taken off and be somebody in town, above all those things, even above having a church house packed, amen? His will, his agenda, not my will, not your will, amen? That's what he's saying. And see, if we keep that focused as what is really most important, then we understand what he said. And then, because we understand what's most important, we then can make the changes and embrace those things to move us in the direction, to make those things not just something we see, but make those things be manifested in our lives. But it's going to take us moving forward and embracing change. And it's going to take us moving forward together. Because whenever everything is said and done here on earth, all that's going to matter is what did God say? And how did you respond to it? It's all that's going to matter. 
So I want to ask you just to bow your head this morning. I want you to think about that for just a minute. How am I going to respond to what God said? How have I been responding to what God said? Do I think that the things that he said are important or really important? Have I, does that show in my life? Is that true? Because today you have an opportunity to respond to the truth. The truth that God loves you and he wants better for you than you want for yourself. The truth that he sent his son Jesus to die for your sin and all you have to do is receive him. The first and most important step any of us are ever going to make as a believer is going to be the one to make Jesus the ruler of our lives. And maybe you've said a prayer before in church where you accepted Jesus, but you never really allowed him to be the ruler of your life. You never really allowed him to be the leader of your life. You never really made him your Lord. Maybe once you followed him real strongly, but you've kind of fallen away and you say, Pastor Derek, today I really want to make that strong commitment to him today. So if that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you. Everybody's got their heads bowed. I'm not going to ask you to come up. All I want you to do is just let me know you're here by just lifting your hand and putting it back down. Is there anybody in this place? I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else in this place today? I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else in this place? I see that hand. Hands all over this place today. God sees your hands. God knows your heart. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask everybody in this place, whether you've prayed this prayer once or whether you've prayed it a hundred times, I want you to join me this morning in inviting Jesus into our hearts to make him our Lord. Say, Jesus, I accept you. I accept that you came to earth, that you died for me, that you were buried, and that you rose again. And I want you to make my heart your home. And not only do I accept you as my Savior, but I want to make you my leader. I want to make you my Lord. I want to follow your ways. I want to do the things you want me to do. I want to embrace the changes you want me to make. I want the things you say to be that are important to be important in my life. Today I accept you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. You can look up here. Now if you prayed that prayer today, I want you to let us know. We're going to have a time here. We're about to take communion in just a few minutes. But I want you to let us know. You can give us a call or email us. I want you to let us know that you, you said that prayer today. Or as soon as the service is over, Pastor Mike and his prayer team are going to be down here. And you can tell them as well. We want to know. And we want to help you along your journey.